Welcome to Divine Intimacy Radio, a co-production of EWTN Radio and SpiritualDirection.com, where we provide you with a spiritual haven of rest and explore the riches of the wisdom of the saints and the path to union with God. This is Dan and Stephanie Burke. Welcome to Divine Intimacy Radio, your radio haven of rest. Your hermitage of the heart. Your monastery of the mind where we lift our hearts and minds to heaven to draw on the wisdom of the church, the wisdom of the saints to help us navigate this very difficult uh, life that we're in. And things are tough now, tougher than they've been for the entirety of my existence. Yeah, Yeah, huge. I mean, huge issues going on. And I know a lot of people are struggling. Yeah. And so we're here to accompany you in that struggle. Oh, the and word, you really well, to, to, Walk to sojourn, you, to, help to you, sojourn yeah. with right. you, to dialogue, to no, diet. No, uh, not dialogue. Right. Okay. Listen, we're here to love you. There you go. We're here there to we love go. you. There you go. My wife's a musician. So forgive the, although I was reading a preconciliar document this morning or yet in the last few days and the word accompaniment appeared there. And I thought, oh, okay, it's not, you know, well, I mean, it's a beautiful thing because, right. you know, what is it to accompany somebody? Yeah, to, yeah. to follow them around with a piano and play theme music behind them. Uh, right. But you t- you <laughs> you don't take your eyes off them. You're constantly <clears throat> oh, listening. It's you're very, very YouTube. attentive. Right. You know, you're you're following their movements. It is it's like a beautiful dance. You know? It's just overused by some goofballs. All right. So <laughs> uh, tell folks about our awesome guest, Mr. Martignoni and ask him how to pronounce his last name. <laughs> well, we want to welcome our friend, Mr. John Martignoni. Oh, I, I know right. how it's said. Um, his book, Blue Collar Apologetics, is what we're going to be speaking about today. He is the founder and president of the Bible Christian Society, former host of EWTN's Open Line Radio Program. And John has spoken at hundreds of paris- parishes and conferences throughout the U.S., his talks on various apologetic topics are available for free at his website, BibleChristianSociety.com. He writes a bi-weekly apologetics e-newsletter, Apologetics for the Masses, that has over 44,000 subscribers from all over the U.S. and close to 100 countries worldwide, which you can sign up for at his website. He is the author of Blue Collar Apologetics, How to Explain and Defend Catholic Teaching Using using common sense, simple logic, and the Bible. And it's published by Sophia and EWTN Publishing. Welcome, John. Good to see you. Good to see you, Stephanie and Dan. Glad to be with you. So is the G silent or is it pronounced? The G is not pronounced. It's silent. Most Europeans immediately pronounce it Martignoni. Oh, there you go. You gave it kind of a noble flair there. Yeah. There you go. So I just want to say to folks about John uh, before we jump into some questions with him, uh, what he he delivers on his promise. Not everybody does that. Uh, John, uh, what I've always who who coined the phrase blue collar apologetics, John? I don't know. who did. Well, that. it was actually I got it from three or four different uh, people who are my newsletter subscribers. They were writing me emails. And, now they're calling you during the yeah, show. They're, yeah, they're calling me now. <laughs> they were writing me emails, and different ones used it. They're completely, uh, you know, not, they weren't in concert with each other. And, and after the third or fourth one, I said, you know, I think I'll adopt that name. 
and and yeah. the, the phone just, will just, go off and just just rip second. it out of the wall, John. <laughs> yeah. So I, it, it is true. What I what I love about it is, and I you and I have had this conversation. So guys like Scott Hahn, brilliant genius, right? have the ability to dig deep in theology and make it beautiful, glorious and systematic and all of that. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's important. It's a, it's an aspect of, of the, of the faith. You know, there's different strengths that each of you guys have in the apologetics realm. I love Trent Horn's uh, debating uh, work. It's absolutely awesome. But I think the territory you, you, you hold the best uh, ground in is, is practical practicality of it. Well, that's uh, I've had one of the most common comments I get from people is they'll say, John, we love Scott Hahn. We love Tim Staples. Uh, you know, we love Father Mitch Pacwa, but we can't do what they do, mm-hmm. but we can do what you do. Right. You know, and I take that as just a, a supreme compliment. And it's, and it's not a knock. Like you said, it's not a knock against Scott or Tim or Father Mitch or anyone else who who gives you that the beautiful theology and understanding of the old Testament, new Testament. But like you said, for in terms of practically going out there and talking to members of your family or coworkers or friends about the faith who are asking you questions, you can't repeat what, what Scott Hahn says or what father Mitch Pacwa says. So I, I, or not everybody say, can, right? Well, yeah, I, I take what they say and I just, I bring it down to, to earth. Cause I can't repeat what Scott Hahn said, you know, I mean, it's just, the man's, like you said, he's a genius and his work is just absolutely beautiful and tremendous. But for the average person out there, they need something that they can just, that they can remember as well as repeat. Yeah, it's really important. I remember when I first started, because I'm a revert, right? When I when I married Dan, I, I started to lean back into my faith and I had a reversion. I had a, a true conversion, I think, for the first time in my life. <clears throat> and I remember when conversations would come up and questions would come up and, you know, I laughed and because, you know, we need to have something besides a response that sounds something like, nah, you know, <laughs> we need to be able to say something, you know, coherent and intelligent. Um, so, because our, our faith is so remarkable. I, I was so awestruck when I discovered the faith that I grew up in that I knew nothing about, right? All I knew is if I didn't go to mass, I was in trouble with my mom, you know? So this was, this is really so practical and so helpful. Okay. Amen. So, so John, uh, in, in terms of being practical, I'm curious. Well, so I'm a convert. And, and I'll, I'll say this to our listeners. Some of them are going, well, this is a spiritual theology show. This is about the spiritual life. But here's the thing. This is the power of apologetics related to what we do here in the show. It's, it strengthens your yes. It helps you to understand more fully, you know, why you believe what you believe. And that gives you more faith and strength and belief in your, in your faith, especially when you're going through difficult times and you start to question things. So it's applicable to everyone, even if it's if it's not a common uh, thing found in the spiritual realm. But John, what I find that, that most Catholics are confused about one thing as a convert, even good Catholics, and I wonder if you run into this too. They think Protestants know their Bible front to back, which isn't true. They think that it's really hard to evangelize. That they they kind of like we've alluded to. 
that you've got to know a ton. And you really kind of come against those false assumptions in this book. Absolutely. Yeah. I tell people, number one, uh, to answer that former, the former part of what you said there is that Protestants know the Bible. Most Protestants probably have more Bible verses memorized than the average Catholic. So in, in that, yeah, okay, you could say they know the Bible, but do they really? Because most Protestants don't have a, a guide to understand the Bible. So you talk to 20 different Protestants about a particular section of, of scripture. Well, what does this verse mean? You could get 20 different answers and and many of them could conflict with one another and contradict one another so they don't have this overarching view of scripture and the story of scripture and in the word of god and catholics get that number one through the mass uh and and i tell catholics i say you know the bible better than you think you do because you're hearing it at mass all the time and i'm not talking about just just the readings, I'm talking about the prayers, everything in the mass is directly or indirectly from scripture. So yes, Catholics know the Bible better than we think we do. And Protestants don't know the Bible as well as Catholics might think they do. And even as well as Protestants think they do. Um, the second part of that is that you're right, that you don't have to know everything in order to go out and evangelize. If I waited until I knew something 100% perfectly about the Catholic faith before I went out and talked about it, I would never go out and talk about anything about the Catholic faith. Okay. Because I tell people, I say, look, there are things about the Catholic faith. St. Thomas Aquinas didn't know. Right. So in this lifetime, we will never plumb the depths of the Catholic faith. So if you wait until I, I've got my arms all, you know, all the way around uh, transubstantiation, I can finally understand like that's not going to happen yeah. but so, so what i tell people i said look all you have to do to to be a catholic evangelist is go out and tell someone hey i'm catholic or or, or you're at lunch with co-workers and you go in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit and they will come to evangelize you and then when they do that i give you techniques and strategies for how to how to handle that you know and, and the number one strategy, and I've had people tell me, John, just you giving us permission, essentially, me giving them permission to do this strategy has helped them to go out and evangelize anybody. And that strategy is when someone asks you a question about your faith and you don't know the answer, or maybe you know the answer, but not, you know, you, you want to be better prepared. You want to make sure you got it just right. All you have to do is say, look, that's a good question. And I don't know the answer, but I'm going to find out and I'll get back to you on that. And boom, you're, you're, you're out of a potential jam. You know, if somebody says, well, where in the Bible does it say anything about purgatory? You know, you Catholics in purgatory. All you got is, well, you know, I've, I've never really thought about that. That's a good question. Tell you what, I'm going to go look it up. I'm going to find out an answer and I'll get back to you. And then that puts the ball in your court and you go, you do your research, you come back when you're ready, you know, and, and you can come back to them when you're ready, whatever way you want to get back to them, whether in person, uh, email, a text, your phone call, however you want to do it. 
you're now in control instead of the other person being in control of the conversation. And it just, you know, with, with all the resources, Dan, that we have out there now, there is no excuse for a Catholic not being able to go out and research and find the answer to a question. Absolutely. You know, John, we're going to be heading into a break here. When we get back, I know Stephanie wants to dig in with you about some of these other strategies uh, on how to evangelize. But I do love that. I, if you don't know, uh, you just say, hey, that's a great question and uh, affirm them in their desire to understand. Uh, assume the best of them, which always helps in how you comport yourself in, in the conversation. And then go do the research yourself. And as you say, EWTN, by the way, is an awesome resource for yes. doing research. The website's huge and has a million different things that people can look to and, and look up. Spiritualdirection.com for spiritual, you know, purely on the spiritual life stuff we've got over here too. But uh, there's no excuse. We'll get when we get back from the break. We'll we'll do we'll talk more with John Martinoni, blue collar apologetics, how to explain and defend Catholic teaching using common sense simple logic in the Bible, and you can find that at EWTN's Religious Catalog. We'll be right back. Hi, friends. We want to personally invite you to check out all of our upcoming retreats here at Avila. Head over to spiritualdirection.com forward slash events or click on the events tab on the top of spiritualdirection.com and sign up now for one of our powerful mini retreats, setting the captives free or into the deep or divine intimacy in marriage. Now with both live and online options, our mini retreats can be live streamed right into your living room or parish meeting room. Discover why these events sell out time and time again. That's spiritualdirection.com forward slash events register today. There is a growing need for well-formed, solid spiritual directors in the church today. The Avila Institute in collaboration with Heart of Christ Spiritual Direction Program offers a certificate in spiritual direction for those who feel called to accompany others in their journey towards God. The program is grounded in Ignatian and Carmelite spirituality based on a Catholic worldview and draws on the wisdom of the saints with an emphasis on biblical principles and the new evangelization. This program offers both online and on-site classes. Discover more and apply today at avala-institute.org. Welcome back. This is Dan and Stephanie Burke with Divine Intimacy Radio. And John Martinoni, what you, you're curious about these uh, other strategies. Yeah, you know, I was just thinking how I react when, or how I used to act when react, when people would ask me questions. And I think um, what you said was so important of saying, you know, I'll, I'll get back to you. I'm not sh really sure I know that. And uh, how the primary um, nemesis in that situation is fear because we kind of panic and we don't want to be embarrassed. And, and it feels a little bit like getting T-boned in the middle of an intersection when somebody springs that to you on the, on you. And sometimes it's done in an, in a, tone of love and sometimes it's done as a gotcha question so what are uh the apologetic strategies other than saying i'll get back to you that you talk about in your book that's going to help us to deal with that and kind of get our emotion under control so that we feel like we're we're fully planted so that we can address what's been asked of us and uh and testify to this beautiful faith that we have well that's um and and what you said stephanie's at that's absolutely where I came from. That's how I got into apologetics. I worked at a bank. All these people, you know, found out I was Catholic and they started asking me questions. Well, why do Catholics do this? Why do Catholics do that? And I was like, what are you asking me for? <laughs> I, well, uh, you're Catholic. 
like, oh, oh, okay. Well, I, I got to the point where somebody would say something about uh, Jesus, and I go, oh, look at the time. I think my mom, I got a call from my mom I got to get, you know, and I'd, I'd take off. So learning these strategies helped me to basically engage with anyone. And that first strategy, I don't know, but I'll find out and get back to you. I call that the ignorant Catholic strategy. The second <laughs> strategy of the four that I teach in the book is called how to be offensive without being offensive you know you, you don't want to offend somebody if you can avoid it although a lot of times it you can't avoid it because truth can be offensive to people but you want to be able to get them to lower their defensive walls if at all possible well how do you do that how do you be offensive without being offensive well catholics are always on the defensive you know where in the bible does it say anything about mary's immaculate conception where in the bible is purgatory where in the bible is infant baptism where in the bible is this or that so you take that and you answer the question if you're able to if you're not you say i don't know but i'll find out and get back to you but then you come back with your own questions you know, i tell people i said raise the other person up to the level of the teacher and you lower yourself to the level of the student and what does a good student do? A good student asks questions. So somebody says, you know, uh, um, where in the Bible does it say anything about Mary being assumed body and soul into heaven? And you say, well, you know, you could show them a verse or two that indirectly shows this. Or you could say, well, where in the Bible does it say she wasn't assumed body and soul into heaven? I mean, it's just, a, you know, you're taking their question and turning it around on them. And it's, it's, it's a, a fair question. Where does it say she wasn't? You know, we've got uh, Elijah is essentially assumed into heaven. Enoch is assumed into heaven. Why couldn't Mary? Even though it doesn't say she was, it doesn't say she wasn't. So little things like that. Or, or you know, most Protestants believe in salvation by faith alone. So when they start talking about it, you can say, well, where in the Bible does it say that we're saved, that we're, quote, saved by faith alone, unquote? You know, they'll take you to this verse or that verse. Not a single verse in the Bible says we're saved by faith alone. And, you know, in fact, the only verse in the Bible that uses the phrase faith alone is James 2.24. And it says we're saved not by faith alone. You know, so the Bible, the word of God says the exact opposite of what they believe. And you say, well, why do you believe that if the Bible says this? You ask the questions and what you do by that. And in the book, I give you all sorts of questions that you can ask on various topics uh, and, and how to respond to the questions that you'll get asked as a Catholic. So what you're doing is you're controlling the conversation. The other person thinks they're evangelizing you, but you're actually evangelizing them through your questions. And, and what I tell Catholics, I say, in most places where Protestant theology differs from Catholic theology, it's Protestant theology is razor thin. So with just one or two questions, you get down below the surface and all of a sudden the other person is having to examine what they believe and why they believe it. And yeah. that's a good thing to make them do because a lot of Protestants have never gone through that exercise of what, why do I believe salvation by faith alone? Why do I believe once saved, always saved? And the Catholic, through asking questions, is making them examine their their fundamental beliefs and, and assumptions. Yeah, and I, I want to affirm something you said. So I was a Protestant, but I was very well studied. 
And I argued against the Catholic faith. It was very anti-Catholic for a long time. And what John said, I can affirm, it's razor thin. It didn't feel like it on the other side, but yeah, it didn't. It did. So it doesn't take much to unravel. John, I want to shift a little bit to a uh, something that is I ran into this weekend at the marriage encounter we did. There was a guy there, a great guy. Not and marriage encounter. Marriage. Uh, divine, intimacy divine intimacy and, and marriage retreat. retreat. And it was sorry. amazing. Yikes. And we had. I totally blew. The we led the retreat. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like yeah. we led the retreat. We did not go attend something. Yeah, it was sorry. awesome. Yeah. So there's a great guy there. Loves his wife, brought her there. But he's kind of on the outer edges of the church, really. And uh, he, I came, he shared that the abuse rattled him, you know. And I, I wonder what you think about the approach I took, and I'm fine if you disagree. But one of the things that I was concerned with is, you know, I could tell that the guy had a heart and that that was, and that his heart was broken uh, for the victims of abuse. And so I said to him, I said, I think you, you're concerned about this matter because you're a good man and your, your heart is broken for people who suffer. And I could see he was tearing up. And so I didn't, you know, I, I, I didn't have much time with them. It was just over a meal. Uh, but what I wanted to do is just, and, and I did say, you know, don't let Judas uh, keep you from Jesus. You know, I mean, it's, it's pithy, but uh, don't, that these folks are imposters who are doing this sort of thing. They're not the real church. But how do you, how do you apply some of what you've written in this book to tough situations for Catholics who are struggling with the, the, you know, a lot of the, the difficult issues we're facing today in the church. Well, what I do, it, <clears throat> excuse me, in that particular situation, what I'll tell them, I'll, I'll ask a question. Um, I say, listen, what if you had a founder of a religion and his top 12 lieutenants in, you know, in his greatest time of need, one of them betrayed him one of them denied him and nine of the other 10 took off for the hills when he needed them the most. You would, you wouldn't think much of this guy, right? Because well, obviously his, his, his judgment of people is not very good because you know, 11 of the 12 that he picked handpicked that they, they just, they, they, they took off on him. They betrayed him essentially. And then you think, well, wait a minute. And, and everyone knows who you're talking about. You know, this is Jesus and the 12 apostles say, here's the thing. It was after their conversion that they understood and came back. And so that's what's needed in the church is conversion. And first and foremost, conversion for the many of the bishops and priests because of their responsibility for their flocks. And, and it, you know, like you said, it's a pithy statement. Don't don't leave Jesus because of Judas. But it is the essence. It's you do not let people, you do not let flawed human beings get in your way of truth to to the truth. Yeah. You know, that's the truth is what matters. And in our church, unfortunately, we have human beings. And every human being that's ever lived, save one, has, uh, is, is a sinner. Mm -hmm. And so these sinners are going to do things, sometimes little things, sometimes horrible things. And we cannot let what people do 
keep us from getting to Jesus Christ. And mm -hmm. and well if, said. If you leave the church, the truth. If you leave the Eucharist because of these people, then Satan not only won with what they originally did, but he's winning by having an effect on you now as well. Awesome. And, and that's that's how I talk. So so I asked him. I said, "Do you want to leave the truth because of what these horrible people did?" Yep. Right. Well right. said. Yeah. So important. I'm I'm so grateful that you brought up the idea, the importance of conversion. Um, having not converted until I was uh, well, almost close to forty. And it's just so necessary. People don't understand that just attending. I didn't know you weren't 40 yet. <laughs> oh, God bless you. <laughs> um, okay, so here's a question. Let's let's make a, in our, in our little, we have a couple of minutes left, John. So I noticed you have a chapter on atheism. So what kind of success have you had talking with atheists? Well, what I tell people first is before you get into conversations with atheists, especially online, you need to prepare yourselves because um, when I've been in atheist websites and in the, what they call them, the com boxes, the comment boxes, um, it can get nasty in a hurry. It's no matter brutal. how polite you are, no matter how respectful you are, you're a dumb, ignorant, stupid, and blankety blank blank Christian, you know? And so you just have to be prepared for that and deal with it. And, but, if you can stay the course and keep your wits about you and keep your peace about you, you could potentially plant some seeds. I've, I've had some success with people. You know, I, I was talking one about uh, God and, and he's, he's saying, well, he starts with the universe. He said, I said, well, how did the universe start? He said, big bang theory. I said, no, the big bang theory is about how the universe expanded, not about how it started. I said, how did what the Big Bang blew up, how did it get there? He's like, well, you know, this, I said, let me, let me posit this for you to think about. And, and I asked him, I said, can a tree recreate a tree from nothing? Can a rock create a rock from nothing? Can a human being create another human being from nothing? He said, no. I said, so general principle is material things, the material cannot reproduce the material. John, I've got to, I want to stop you there because we're going to run out of time and I don't want to forget to tell people where to find your, your stuff. So my apologies, but uh, BibleChristianSociety.com, is that the best place? That is the best place. Great. Right. So pick up Blue Collar Apologetics, How to Explain and Defend Catholic Teaching Using Common Sense, Simple Logic in the Bible. You won't be sorry. I think this is the most practical book on apologetics I've ever seen. It's absolutely fantastic. EWTN's religious catalog. Got it for you. Fantastic. Okay, until next time, may the God of peace make you perfect in holiness. May he preserve you whole and entire, spirit, soul, and body, irreproachable at the coming of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Learn more about the interior life. Visit spiritualdirection.com. Divine Intimacy Radio is a co-production of EWTN Radio and spiritualdirection.com and heard worldwide on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.